Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. Now, let's start the show. We are back on the Bike Life Podcast, and I have Josh Garman with me today, who is a cycle tourer out of the UK. Thank you for being with me, Josh. It's good to be on. It's been great to chat with you. Um, I enjoyed our initial conversation as we got prepared for this interview today because you have such a fascinating story. And I love that you share that you started out not even like like as, as a, a new cycle tour, right? Like you hadn't done any touring before and, and you were a previous walker. That's what I wrote down. You're like a, a long distance walker. So why don't you start with telling us a little bit about how you got into bike touring? So yeah, it really happened by mistake. And I only wanted to sort of give you a little bit of the information, really. I was kind of only giving you sort of, you know, a tiny tidbit of the story in hopes that you could hear it for the first time as well. So yeah, with with walking, I'd I'd done a lot of walking out when I was in Australia. Uh, I was sort of doing backpacking there, which is a classic thing for uh, someone from England to do, to head out and do a year in Australia. Uh, And while I was there, I got into into doing a lot of walking. And most of it was, was actually barefoot walking, uh, wow. was something that really appealed to me and I would sort of just work my way down the coast with a backpack sleeping on beaches and <laughs> and walking along and seeing these beautiful locations so I thought for a long time I would do some form of walk and coming back in the winter time in England I was pulled back by the sort of nostalgia of Christmas and wanting to be with family uh, and then obviously you know we got hit by the virus so at that time I thought, right, the only thing I can do is, is settle into a job. And I settled into a job at a supermarket. And from there, I was just thinking over and over again, what is the next thing going to be? And then something really wonderful happened that introduced you to the idea of bike touring. Yeah, so it's, it's an interesting thing because I never thought I'd get into cycling. I sort of hadn't done any cycling for three years prior to this. I used to head out on my mountain bike, you know, for as people do, like normal things going out into the forest and stuff. But there was no there was no real cycling background at all there. And I always imagined that I would do a walk again. Now, did you come across any touring cyclists when you were doing your barefoot walking? Like, did you come across people that were doing long tour biking? So had it been an idea planted in your brain maybe previously? I'm not sure. I, there's no one I can think in my mind that it's interesting. So you think you'd bump into someone, but yeah, I mean, I guess people in hostels, I would occasionally come across them, but no one that stuck with me. There was no reason really for me to get into it at all. Okay. Interesting. And I like this idea. I didn't know that you, when you were doing your, your walking, that you were doing it barefoot. That must've been a really amazing experience to keep your feet on the soil. Yeah, I mean, I, I people talk about it a lot, right? So you kind of get all the sensations coming through your feet. Uh, it's a it's a very magical thing. And I was actually after a book I read called Born to Run, which is probably quite, I don't know, some of your listeners may have heard of it. Fantastic book. And it talks about sort of these old tribes that run their entire lives and they're all barefoot. And it sort of encourages you to give it a try. 
And I found I really enjoyed it. Obviously, it's different to England in Australia. It's warm weather all the time. Mm -hmm. But heading out on my bare feet was just a a great thing. And I would walk from where I worked into the city two or three hours at a time with a backpack and felt like a true explorer, really. I love that. I talked to a lot of people about grounding, right? Getting back into your body when you're like having high levels of stress or anxiety. I talk a lot about going to put your feet on the earth, whether it's on the grass or in a park, sometimes even the snow, like just a few minutes of putting your bare feet on the earth is magical. (laughs) It is. You just feel everything. There's so many nerves in your feet. uh, And it's something that's sort of almost like that childlike joy, similar to cycling, I suppose, in a way that you know, as soon as you connect with the earth and you can feel the various things, whether that's sand on the beach or snow or even, you know, tiny rocks will annoy you, but it gives you uh, a way of connecting uh, as you walk that you wouldn't have otherwise. Love it. Okay. So how did you, what planted the seed, the idea for you to one day get on your bike and go for a longer ride? So this is something that not everyone will experience in their life, but there's quite a few people that will be stuck in a job that they really don't like. Um, I was stacking shelves for many hours a day, sort of eight hours a day from 5 a.m., stacking cans of beans after cans of beans uh, onto shelves for a living. And it was always sort of with the intention that once I had enough money, I would head off again. But it was sort of grinding me down slowly. And I was, I was sort of looking for something at the time. Uh, and this was sort of September time last year, And I went out to the pub with my friends. And as all good stories start in a pub, we'd had a few drinks. And my friend Lily, she turned to me and showed me a video uh, by a guy called Chris Brannigan. And Chris Brannigan, he walked the length of England barefoot. So with no shoes on his feet, uh, with a massive backpack, sleeping in a little one-man tent, he walked the length of England in order uh, to raise money for his daughter that had a rare genetic condition. And it's sort of this video uh, of him arriving in Edinburgh at the end of his journey. And he's there with his arms open and his daughter, Hasty, runs into his arms. And it just captivated me. It was almost like bringing me to tears. It was an amazing story. And after a few drinks, I just said, right, I'm, I'm going to do something to help this person. I'm going to try and raise money for this girl. And without any thought about what that could be, I was set on the idea and I told everyone about it. And I truly believe that if you've told more than three people about something, you have to go ahead with it. Yeah, you put it out there to those that A, would hold you accountable, and B, also you were inspiring yourself. Because I also think if if we vocalize something out loud, even to ourselves, we're sort of setting a standard of what's possible. So you kind of created the momentum around it. I like that. For sure. You you can't back out. Once once you've talked about it, you, you can't really change your mind. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so keep going. So I I then sort of was stuck in a position where I'd woke up in the morning and knew I had to do something. And I was excited about the idea, but then sort of, you know, the nerves and the logistics set set in about what you do. And a walk was obviously the first thing that came to my mind. I'd done a lot of walking and I thought, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just knock a walk out and raise some money for charity. But at the time, we're getting close to British winter and doing a long distance walk would just take too much time. So from there, I began thinking about doing some cycling. And I went into my shed, I grabbed my old mountain bike out of the shed that I hadn't ridden in years. Uh, and I was set on, on doing something like that. And I was actually out on the South Downs Way, which is a walking trail that we have in the south of England. Beautiful locations. And as I'm walking, uh, I had this little idea that just stuck in my mind. 
And I imagine someone sort of during times of COVID, they're sort of distanced from someone. They're a bit down about things. They're sitting in a coffee shop, sitting on a coffee and they're looking out. It's raining. They're miserable. There's so much on my mind. And then suddenly E.T. flies by. There's a kid with E.T. strapped to the front of the bike. And I just imagine that that would brighten their day. It would break it up. And it would be sort of this magical moment that they could hold on to. And as soon as that sort of image was in my mind, I knew that was going to be my idea for the cycle. And so E.T., that's so interesting. E.T., meaning like you knew that it would be something enjoyable for children that would see you like on your bicycle. You mean people would see you with... E.T. on your bike in some <laughs> in some format, because I know when we talked about this before, this this was great. I, I love this um, because you knew that people would see you on your path. And because you were fundraising, the more attention that you could get, the more funds that you knew that you would raise. So, yeah, with with fundraising, it's, a, it's an interesting game, really. And it's something that, you know, it was a steep learning curve for me once I began cycling. And it's really, you know, it's, it's about coming up with something quite creative and new in order to get attention. And I think when it comes to walking uh, or sort of other types of fundraising, it's quite easy to connect with uh, a form of suffering that you might be going through. So if you're walking barefoot, it's extremely easy to connect with that. If you see someone running down the road barefoot, you go, ow, that must really hurt. <laughs> if you see some guy, you know, walking at the length of England in a pair of Speedos, you know it's cold and you want to give him your money. But when you're cycling, you know, when you're out and about and, and you're, you know, just out on a bicycle, you know, you could be out on, on a, a joy ride. You could be out uh, commuting to work on your bike. There's nothing that really tells people that you're fundraising. So I was looking for some kind of idea and I really don't know why that stuck in my head. And obviously, you know, I'd seen the film as a kid. It was an exciting thing, but I just thought it was a, a fun idea, a, a character that, all the way from children to, to the elderly would, would recognize and could see as I, as I went past. So how did you start? Like, what did you, what did you need to put together considering you had never done this before and you were going to fundraise and you were going to carry ET with you on your trip? Like, how did you get started? So, so I'm a big believer of just setting a deadline. Uh, and obviously sometimes it's hard if you, if you're kind of in the planning stage, you feel a bit nervous about it, but once you've got, a time set it just falls in place and i know that's a bit of a, a you know difficult thing to say it depends on what's going on but really having that time frame makes you get things finished mm. so i just decided uh literally from the day that i uh, came up with the idea i said that my leaving date would be two weeks from then wow. so uh i handed my notice in the day that i woke up from the pub i handed my notice in at work for two weeks and I said that that's when I'd set off. So I literally only had two weeks of not having cycling at all uh, to having getting everything ready, knowing nothing about touring, never having looked it up before. Uh, only information I had was sort of my knowledge from walking. And very quickly, I was like, right, I find an ET. I managed to find this amazing like life-size doll of ET. And he arrived sort of curled up like an alien would in a, in a package. <laughs> and so I put him on the front. I used a supermarket crate from work that I spray painted white uh, with an Edward to put the alien in. Uh, I've got some really cheap panniers. I think they're about 15 pounds. Uh, and my entire budget was about 40 pounds. I don't know what that is in dollars, but next to nothing, uh, threw my stuff in way too much gear and set off with no real idea sort of how it would turn out. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine how much you must have learned 
in your first couple of weeks uh, on that journey. Now, for, let, let's let's just kind of skip ahead for a moment. How long did you end up being gone? Like, how long did you end up touring on your bike? So I was on, actually on the road for 23 days. So let's start at the beginning. How did it go? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it's interesting. So during that little training, well, that two-week period, I tried to get some training in, you know, test out the miles. The, the thing I found is I was on a mountain bike, which is not designed for the road at all. It just went against everything that you should do. I had these huge 29-inch tires with like mount- thick mountain bike tires on uh, with all my gear weighing me down. It was like cycling through treacle. I just would go nowhere. <laughs> it was slow going, really, oh. really slow going. Uh, and we sort of put some things together. We had some E.T. balloons and cookies and cake and stuff. It was, it was a wonderful little uh, gathering that saw me off down my road and I set off and sort of people are, are you know, waving and clapping as, as I went off uh, to set off on my adventure. And I sort of had only cycled without gear prior to that. So that was the first time I had all my gear on and I could feel it through my legs. <laughs> and I sort of got to the end and I'm over my road and I'm smiling. And then I was like, right, Josh, we need to sort of, <laughs> we need to think now, we need to crack on. And all the sort of like nerves set in knowing that I had a long way to go <laughs> with all this, with all this stuff, really. Yeah. Wow. That must have been quite an experience. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was tough going. Yeah, it was tough. So when did you start fundraising? What did that part look like? So with, with the fundraising, it was, it was straight off the bat. It was interesting. So within those first two weeks of me training, I was going around um, with the alien. So I had E.T. there. <laughs> And actually, the the reaction from my local community was incredible. I wasn't sure on the initial sort of cycles how they would react to mm-hmm. ET, whether people would notice it, whether they think it's stupid. I, I wasn't sure. And, you know, a lot of people were reacting in different ways. Uh, and as I cycled by the first time, I just suddenly start seeing these people smiling. And I got this this magical sense from this that I haven't had with anything since where people are walking along and I think, you know, all of us have so much that's going on in our mind, you know, whether that's anxiety or whether it's just, you know, day-to-day tasks and things that we want to do and everyone's in a rush and those things are ticking over. And I imagined all these people sort of going about their day and I was looking at people that look quite glum, really. They're sort of walking, looking at the ground. There's lots of stuff on their mind and these are adults. And I know that they've obviously got a lot of stuff going on in their lives but as soon as ET was there, as soon as they like, oh, what's that? Oh my god, it's a, it's a, it's an alien. You know, it's <laughs> flying by. You see this big smile come onto their face, and during that moment, it was like giving them that childlike sense of joy that they may not have had in their day. And so there was something quite powerful in that for me, where I felt like I was providing that little moment of relief if someone was going through mm. some stress at the time. So it really just encouraged me to keep going out on the bike. And actually, when I kept going round, I just did loops and loops of my local community, and we managed to raise a thousand pounds even before I'd set off. It was really good. Yeah, that's amazing. I can't. I can imagine that it was like it's like a showstopper. People can be caught up in whatever they're caught up in, and you come cycling by with this giant alien in a basket on the front, like in a, a spray painted crate in the front of your bike. It must have been quite quite a, a, a catch of the eye. Yeah, it was. It, it's interesting, and you get a lot of comments as well. And that was something I had to get used to. And to begin with, it was all new. And it would be, you know, people would come up with this quickly. So it'd be like, E.T., phone home, or, oh, look, it's E.T. Uh, eventually, that got very boring. 
<laughs> I got hundreds of those as the, as the days went on. Occasionally, you sort of get like uh, more interesting ones like, oh, should we call you Elliot or, you know, slight turns mm-hmm. on, on the film. And I was just thinking, how, how do people come up with this that quickly? Um, but no, it was it was great. And how do they remember it, right? Because I'm sure people recognized the alien part, but I I'm surprised that people would recognize that it's ET. Like that's that's interesting that that movie made such an impact on so many people. Well, what's amazing to me is you know I didn't know if young children would recognize it now, but they all ah. seem to react to it. And the, there's a place when I went when I was down in Folkestone, I was actually cycling uh, along the seafront, so going past the beaches. And as I'm cycling along, I'm watching as people on the beach who, you know, looking into the sun would only be able to see me on the side, like my silhouette, were pointing and standing up and starting to notice and recognize E.T. So it's such an iconic figure that even from the silhouette, you can you can realize it. Wow, that's amazing. Now, let's take a moment to learn a little bit more about today's episode being brought to you by BikeFlights.com, a bicycle shipping service for cyclists. You'll enjoy fast delivery, great prices, and excellent service with every shipment. Select your shipment's delivery speed to suit your schedule and tap into their group buying power to get great rates. Throughout the shipping process, their support team, made up of fellow cyclists, works directly with their carrier's exclusive global operational team so that your shipment will arrive on time. Join the more than 700,000 cyclists who have used bikeflights.com to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today to find out more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. So did you stop along the way when people would recognize you? Like, how often would you like engage with people that were curious about what you were writing for? So to begin with, I was actually petrified of, of chatting to people. Um, I don't know what it is. It's, it's sort of having a conversation with people as you go by normally, and especially within in England, where people are very conservative, people just sort of uh, won't naturally start talking to you unless it's snowing or you're out on a dog walk. People don't really say hello to you. It's not a normal thing, especially from the South. So I found it very interesting where people wanted to have a conversation and it encouraged it and broke down those boundaries. And to begin with, I was sort of finding it it difficult to to be like super outgoing all of a sudden. But very quickly, I I just started to have wonderful conversations with people. Mm -hmm. And once they learned a bit about my story... I don't know what it was. Maybe it's, you know, the fact that they recognize ET or that they sort of have trust in someone that's doing a charity fundraiser. But all of those sort of boundaries were were broken down. It wasn't sort of small talk. It was people telling me about their lives, you know, exchanging stories with me. And it was wonderful. And I'd never had that before in, in, such, a, in such an amazing way. Yeah, that must have pushed you outside of your own comfort zone too. So you were learning as well. Yeah, there was, there was, there was so much to learn. And, and, it changed my perception of how people are in England. It, I think, you know, when you've stayed in the same place for a long time, there's this sort of notion of, you know, people aren't very friendly. People don't necessarily chat to you straight away. Um, you know, especially in Britain, there's, there's this consideration that, w- you know, we're not necessarily very open to strangers. But as I went along, I experienced unbelievable kindness from people and met people in every place that I stopped that stuck in my mind and you know I still in contact with to this day 
Yeah, that's amazing. That's a really good, a really good shift and experience that you had. And let me ask you, was was Chris Brannigan, the gentleman that inspired you to do this, whose charity you were supporting, was he like, did you get in touch with him? Like, was there like, was he involved? Like, what did that look like? So it's interesting. I think with any charity fundraiser, you know, th- this is a very small charity. It's only run by the two parents. They run it all independently. When Chris set off, they'd only had the charity for a few months. It was an amazing sort of learning curve for them as well. And very soon after he'd finished, I'd set off. And sort of, you know, they, they hear that I'm doing a fundraiser, not really sure about it. And actually, um, as the momentum built and the story was spreading a little bit, um, I started to get in contact with him. And right near the end, sort of two days before we, before we finished, we'd been trying to sort of organize meeting at loads of points on the trip. It wasn't working out. And right at the end, he, he drove to meet me. And I got to meet him in person, this sort of like person that I thought was, you know, a, a hero to me at the time. Mm. That's amazing. What's the name of the charity? Uh, so the charity is Hope for Hasty. We will put the link to that in the show notes. So if anybody would like to learn more or become involved, we'll include that in the show notes. Now, let's talk a little bit more about your own tour. So you got to the end of the road. You realized that it was heavy <laughs> the first day. You know you needed to like figure out how to do it. So how did you make it through 23 days with no experience, like tired muscles? I, I can't even imagine the amount of weight you probably had. Oh, and did you switch your bike or did you stay on the mountain bike? So I stayed in the mountain bike the whole time. And <laughs> I, I think, I think if, I, if I'd done a road bike now, I mean, I'd never ridden a road bike. I've ridden one since and I ride a road bike now. It's amazing. I just, it blows my mind. I, I went on the mountain bike yesterday and the, <laughs> the amount of, you know, thigh strength and force that goes into it to get up a hill blows my mind. And it, it sort of makes me realize how challenging it was now looking back. Um, but yeah, all the gear, I mean, I had tons and tons of gear everything you don't need for a cycle and i think the beautiful thing about cycle touring is it narrows down everything right it sort of forces you to get down to the minimal possessions you're living on the smallest amount of stuff that you possibly can uh, and that's a beautiful way of life really it's just a, a new thing where you're sort of like all oh, right do i need it no and what you get down is what you need to live and you're just left with experiences and meeting people and finding food it's just the basics of life and you you form a wonderful routine as as you go on so as i progressed through the cycle i sort of started throwing things away and it was always at the start of a hill so i'd come to some very big hills in england and i'd start going up the hill and i'm like oh do i need my toothbrush do i need it <laughs> <laughs> you know you, you're there and you're, you're thinking about you know stupid things like oh well if i chop my toothbrush in half then you know that saves some weight and you're looking in every aspect to, to get rid of things uh which you know affects you in a great way mentally and i was staying with people as i went so initially when i set off i had a one-man tent so i had this one-man tent i bought from ebay for 15 pounds terrible like a coffin the worst thing i've ever slept <laughs> in in my life you know, I hadn't done much wild camping. It was terrifying. You know, you're, you're in a tent and you can hear all these noises. You feel like you're going to get murdered in the forest. It's, a, it's an interesting experience. But I set off with the intention of, you know, camping the majority of the time. And I had the first night in the tent. And then from then, once people got my, wind of my story, I was being offered places to stay every single night. And so that, mm. that time, 23 nights on the road... I spent 21 nights in people's houses and near the end of the trip, I actually gave away um, 
I gave away my tent to a, to a homeless charity that was nearby because I just didn't need it. And mm-hmm. eventually I got rid of my towel because people would give me towels and I stayed with them. I didn't need soap. And I, I was realized I was, I was living on the kindness of strangers. I had literally nothing by the end. And I was just relying on the fact that someone would offer me a place to stay. And it just happened time and time again. I left no room for error, but it's amazing that I could have that trust by the end on people. That is amazing. So did you, were there, uh, any of those warm showers? Like when did you come across warm showers? So the first time I stayed in warm showers was actually in Hastings. Um, so I was coming down on sort of like, this is south coast of Britain. And I stayed with a, a guy called Stuart and his family. And I think for someone that's new to this, it's quite surreal because obviously the idea of staying in people's houses is fairly new. Uh, sort of staying with people uh, from an app is is a, is almost a, quite a strange idea when you first think about it. So obviously I think, you know, someone that's used it during their cycle tour then wants to reciprocate. And he'd been out on a cycle tour. He'd done a lot of stuff with his wife um, and he'd got set up on there. So I joined him in Hastings and had a fantastic evening. And it was, it was kind of that thing where I told my ET story quite a few times. So I told mm. the story to them and I like the fact that sort of I told the story and you, we sort of call, call it uh, singing for supper when you go to warm showers places, <laughs> you know, you sort of, you sort of, you have to tell your story in order to get people interested and, you know, they want you to stay. But once you're past that, people are really open and you meet these fellow travelers who have amazing stories of their own. And I heard stories of sort of their touring adventures across many countries and wild camping for the first time together and sort of, uh, they told me a story actually of them camping by the beach in some bushes and waking up and sort of the whole beach was full of people and they're sort of going oh like yawning out of their tent while children are looking like who's that <laughs> who's that <laughs> stumbling out um you know i got to spend time with their kids they cooked me a fantastic dinner we chatted away late into the night and had a you know a warm bed for the night i, I couldn't have asked for more really Josh, this is amazing. I think it's wonderful that you did this and you expanded your knowledge and you supported a really good cause. So so my question is, what's next? Are you going to tour again? And are you still involved in the organization that you supported? So, yes, yeah, since then, I, I sort of, you know, as you as I came to the end of the cycle, it was such a magical experience. You know, every day felt stretched. I was meeting new people. Uh, I was seeing incredible places that I didn't think England had. As soon as I was getting to the end, I was ready to do something else. Uh, It was sort of straight in my mind, like, what is the next thing? Uh, I read a book called One Man and His Bike, and it's a a journey around the coast of Britain. uh, And that sort of inspired my next challenge. So uh, my next challenge, I'm actually going to be cycling the coast of Britain. It's 5,000 miles uh, around the entire coast. It's the equivalent of London to Calcutta. uh, And I'll be cycling towing a school bus camper so i've got a bicycle camper that i've built that i'm going to be towing and sleeping in along the way uh, and sort of sporadically um sleeping with warm showers as well as i go and the whole thing is going to be themed as a camp like a school bus so it's going to be a yellow school bus with the charity logos on i'm going to be towing around uh which is going to be you know another thigh burner but i think you know it's going to give me a chance to see the the whole coast up in Wales, up in Scotland and places I've, I've never seen before. Oh my gosh, that's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, 
I can't wait to hear about it. I would love to see you. You have to send us your story and pictures so we can post it because that's going to be really wonderful. When, and are you waiting to see like for things to clear up a little bit before you go or have you planned that trip? Uh, so I, I'm ready, I think, um, mentally, maybe not physically. I've been doing training as I can. We're, we're sort of still building the camper. We've just got a base and we're, we're trying to somehow make it look like a school bus and make it livable. Um, I don't know if you've, you've ever experienced people that it's a very niche thing, sort of sleeping in a, in a bicycle camper. Um, but I've been sort of getting preparations ready for that. And as soon as lockdown is lifted in England, as soon as we have the ability to move freely, uh, I intend to set off. That's going to be amazing. I, like I said, you'll have to keep us posted or at least tag us on social media when you're on your trip so we can share your story because I know people will love to hear about it. Um, so Josh, is there anything that our community can do to support you on this next venture? Like are, for those that are listening, are you, do you need any supplies to build your camper? Do you need ideas? Do you need, um, are you looking for additional fundraising support? Like how can our community support you? So, so there's, there's two things this really, I mean, what I hope to get out of it is bring some magic to people's days. That's always been my intention. Uh, the moment I started seeing people smile, uh, it was just amazing. I couldn't get enough of it. It's very contagious. And the idea of going past with a, with a school bus and someone towing it is hopefully going to bring that for people. So if people want to follow me on the story, uh, you know, um, on my website, on Instagram, that would be fantastic. Uh, and furthermore, again, I'll be raising money for charity. I'll be raising money for Hasty. She has a rare genetic condition uh, that we're trying to make a treatment for. And that will be for children in the UK and America. So I think it's, it's something that I'd, I'd hope that you could get behind. I love it. Thank you so much, Josh. This has been amazing. Um, I'm excited to see what this turns out to be like for you as you continue on. And we will put the your website and your Instagram um, name in the show notes so people can follow you directly and join in and support the cause. And we look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you so much for joining us, Josh. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. And good luck. Keep us posted. All right. So for everyone listening, if you are listening to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, please make sure you leave us a rating and review because it helps us get in front of more people. And any app that you're listening to outside of Apple Podcasts also has a rating system. So we would appreciate all of the feedback that you can give. Thank you. And we will be back. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.